But to me, like this all comes down to like it. Essentially, what we're doing is we're using cryptography to rebuild the social contract, utilizing the internet directly, and what we're using to back our money is energy. And like that's something that all humans everywhere are always going to need. And furthermore, like if we're not like a shitty and fucked up civilization, like the energy usage is always going to be going up and to the right, right? Like we're always going to have more energy. Like if, if. We're a desirable civilization that's continuing to grow and you know harnessing more and more energy. Hey everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. All right, everybody. This is High Hash Rate. Mike speaking. Today we have Mr. Eric Kaysen on. OG in the Bitcoin space, and that's the end of my shtick. Eric, how you doing? Uh, my... <laughs> I'm good. I wouldn't call myself OG. I'd just say I'm I'm lucky enough to have been on this this crazy train for quite a while. It's been nice nice hanging out, watching watching it change and evolve and develop. Yeah, good news. Uh, my audio is back to normal for this uh, for this episode. So if you suffered through the last two episodes. I appreciate that. Uh, we're, yeah, we're really excited to have Eric on. As you know, we like to talk about stuff. We try to get kind of deep, but it doesn't. Sometimes we're the topic is deep, but we're a little shallow. Uh, but we try, and we're getting stoned today with Eric. And I've got the way that my the way that my brain works is that I can recall like podcasts and things that I've listened to, uh, and kind of remember the topics, and I can like scribble down a bunch of notes it's it's kind of eccentric and uh sometimes it's a little off uh but i've got a bunch of notes written down of like topics that eric's covered that i was especially interested in that i wanted to hear him talk about more so we're probably going to start with some of that today but but first of all let's eric like most of the people listening here probably do have heard of you but if they haven't tell them a little about about yourself like what you do how you found bitcoin Yeah, so I found Bitcoin. Uh, I first heard about it in 2011 at Occupy Wall Street protest, and then I investigated it pretty thoroughly for about a year and started to get into it. Um, and then 2013 is when I really started, you know, losing my mind and going deep with it. Uh, and then I worked at Coinbase from 2013 to 2017, which, believe it or not, Coinbase was mostly a Bitcoin company up until that point in time, and then right. I went full full shitcoin. Which was tragic, um, but by that point in time, you know, I'd, I'd done pretty okay for myself, so I decided it was time to set sail. Um, and really, my, my whole story is uh, I, I've just been really curious about, like, what the fuck is this thing for the longest time? Uh, and, and the question that really set me off was when I realized with the fixed supply that, uh, like, Bitcoin was doing this thing in terms of keeping its oath, its promise to what it was going to do. Um, like more than any person or being or institution ever had. And so that really blew my mind. Cause I was like, how the fuck is this piece of technology doing this? Like, why can it do it? And so that sort of unleashed a decade of really just kind of exploring like crazy philosophical shit, trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. Um, and I think I've got like a decent map now, but just barely, you know, I feel like I finally have gotten my grounding. 
Right. Yeah. What, what you said about uh, how it's keeping its oath, it's keeping its promise, it kind of something I've been talking about with my, you know, with people lately, less about Bitcoin specifically, just more about the world in general, is that everything is kind of being revealed as a paper tiger. NATO, the US dollar, and to some people, um, the law, the rule of law is breaking down in countries all over the world. Everything that people were raised to respect is like these institutions, these foundations of society are crumbling. And in a, in a lot of cases, people are happy to see them crumble and they're mocking them as they go. So Bitcoin kind of st is stands out among the crowd uh, during these different, you know, the Canadian truckers, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and then all the sanctions is this. Yeah, the price moves, but it's, you know, it's reputation as being, you know, sense to resistant, et cetera, all that stuff. It's holding up. So do you think that that that's catching on wider? Like the, 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 oh, like, you know, Bitcoin keeping itself. Do you think people are recognizing that? Uh, to be honest with you, like I have such a hard time keeping a gauge on what's going on. Cause like, I've been so deep down this crazy ass rabbit hole for so long. And like when more people like show up with like, they're being like, yeah, like I think about it obsessively, like all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sounds sounds about right for what's on par par for the course. Um, in all honesty, I don't think they. I, I'm of the opinion that Bitcoin is still extremely underappreciated in terms of of doing that exact thing, and it's because uh, like living in this nihilistic hellscape, like we're all so uh adhd and like mo you know like the the fact that financial markets are paying attention to these like quarterly basis instead of it being like yearly or decade or century or whatever um so i think it's extremely underappreciated what's going on and how bitcoin is performing in this method of essentially you know we can look at each block and know the exact number of coins um but I think over the next decade, as we watch the collapse of the dollar, and I, I mean, like looking at the macroeconomic landscape, like stuff is fucked in a way it has never been fucked before. Um, and while that's scary on that macro level, I feel confident about what we're doing because one Bitcoin is still worth one Bitcoin. And there is a consecutive amount of energy that's going into this project continually. So uh, I feel, yeah, I mean, I'm always amazed when I get asked questions like this uh, of that. I still feel super, I, every day I feel better about it, you know? So. I feel like Bitcoin sort of makes us less ADHD in that way. You know, it's sort of because we yeah. slow down our time preference. It's like, we have to remove ourselves. So it's almost like this protection against ADHD. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I believe at this point in time, like what's what's really going on here is because of the way that it changes our time preference and reduces it in a way that we've never been asked to before, that that actually inflects upon us ontologically. And we start to think about like, oh, like what, I'm going to die. So like what happens after I die? Like how do I take care of my kids or my grandkids? You know, like what are people going to say about me or, you know, like how, how do I protect my legacy at all? And we, we get to ask all these questions that we couldn't ask before and i think that that's a really important and profound method that i think realigns us much closer with our deep ancestors than you know mm -hmm. with our more immediate ancestors so uh i and yeah i'm i know of a couple different people that talk about this idea that like we're at the birth of a new 
dynastic age, you know, mm-hmm. where like our children two millennia now, or our, you know, our relatives two millennia now could be like, whoa, like, you know, grandpa, great, great, great grandpa Kaysen was like able to figure this shit out so long ago when everybody <laughs> was still living in crazy ass clown world. But I, it's, I th- it's almost like Bitcoin is like a metronome or, or something that like, that you like, like you said our ancestors, our ancestors, right? Like they lived, they weren't thinking about, I follow this. I follow this. Yeah. They didn't have high time preference. Like what things changed in, you know, in the medieval times or before that very, very slowly. And only really recently, like maybe the past generation or two with the advent of, you know, the information age, computing, the internet, all that stuff, interest rates coming down to zero, everything sped right up, like much faster social media, like our ability to find out information. That was, you know, something that's going on in Sri Lanka live on social media, like, in HD, perfect sound quality as it's happening. That's, you know, that's very, very new. And Bitcoin also, kind of is that- It's also fucking bananas too. Yeah, that's like bananas. The, like yeah, the fact right. that we yeah. can do that. Like if, you, yeah. if you're like, hey, great grandpa, like check out this internet thing we have. He'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, he was yeah, like, is yeah. this thing God? And you'd yeah, be like, right. no, it's just like the internet. He's like, <laughs> this is, I'm pretty sure this is God. And he'd be like, no, yeah, and, no. And then Bitcoin comes along and it, kind of gives people who recognize its value and recognize the technology like a reason to slow down mm-hmm. and to to lower their time preference and it, it's kind of spreading maybe that maybe it's not maybe bitcoin's part of it maybe it's maybe there's more to it than that but i think something has to slow us down at least the way we think at least our preferences because things are accelerating to a, it's not sustainable oh that's an interesting yeah it's like uh well, like the cadence is, is continually speeding up. Yeah, and I right. feel like that's, that's part of what's happening. It's like, we're, we're reaching the crescendo moment where in my opinion, everything sort of breaks. And I think it's going to be really interesting because like, as it breaks, we'll have to be like, okay. So, I mean, for example, like most people, if you actually ask the question, like, what is value? You'll find that it's like a pretty confusing and difficult conversation because pretty much nobody actually knows what value is or how, you know, how we measure value or why we should do that. Or, you know, how is value different from money? How is money different from wealth and how is wealth different from power? You know, and like, it's very interesting when you start parsing these things out to try to figure out what's going on. And, you know, uh, that's why I like the clown world meme. because I I really think, you know, we, we live in a really nonsensical time. Like stuff is really whacked out. Um, and I always have, you know, it feels like it is. It really, I, I, I can see. I was gonna go say, ahead. I just, I, re- I really underestimated the power of, of memes in this way. You know what I mean? It's like how 100%. you can spread information so quickly. So, you know, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's funny because, you know, that term meme, it comes from biology where it's, right. you know, a trait that expresses itself throughout a community. So mm-hmm. it, it's pretty fascinating to see that happen uh, linguistically at this like hyper rate, you know, and actually in a lot of ways you'd think, you know, like Bitcoin's memetic in that same way, but instead of it doing this sort of, uh, I've said memes are almost like this, uh, this like weird internet calligraphy because it's like this immediate, yes. you know. Like yes. boom, uh, and so like that same sort of artistic expression of the truth that it creates. I think Bitcoin does the same thing, and I think that that's why it fucks with people so much. Is because people recognize that value, but they don't have any linguistic structure to be able to describe it in any adequate way, despite knowing it. 
So yeah, you say like when trying to describe the word value, and that's something I've been thinking about lately is that people can have a conversation, they can use words, they can talk about ideas, and they can be using the same terms to have the, in the conversation, but meaning totally different things. Like the, the interpretation of what God is, what is energy, what is power, what is value, what is Bitcoin, you know, those things you can have, like I said, you can be speaking all the same jargon, all the same terms and be talking right past each other because you're not, uh, your interpretations are totally off base. And something you've said in the past uh, is that Bitcoin is creating its own semantics and it's narrowing down the interactions and possibilities to a binary, you know, yes or no outcome and removing exceptionalism. And that is, I think, really powerful as I mentioned earlier that we're now communicating with people anywhere in the world instantly whenever we want to but those people have different backgrounds different cultures there's going to be a lot of lost in translation uh but when it comes down to the most and like and important you- interactions it's you know money at least we've got a good starting base how, like, how do you trust to, all those people yeah. all that ability to have right. all that connection how do you trust as well that's a that's a huge thing that we just ran into on this show right was that we spoke to someone <laughs> yeah, right. that we didn't, you know, we didn't vet them, you know? So it trust becomes a very, very interesting concept to sort of um, break down. If you just even walk up to someone these days or meet someone, how, how much of that can you trust of, of who they are or, or what it is you're looking at, you know? Sure. And I mean, like, I, what's really interesting is that like this, this then brings us back full circle to the actual technology of religion itself. And that's what made the major world religions so important in their age was that you could go to a strange land. And if those people had the same religion of you, you right. could trust that you could facilitate adequate and meaningful way, not because they're like, hey, I believe as you do, but no, like, because of like this fundamental hierarchical method of establishing what is true and what is value you know that there was a shared set between you two you know and so i think the same thing is going on with the internet and cryptography is that essentially like um you know like all of my parents but like they they don't they don't get what's going on here in any meaningful way because they're not digital natives you know and i think that that's pretty common experience for most of us and again to what i was saying earlier is that like the time we live in is so extraordinary to have the internet and for us to be digital natives. Cause like we are literally the first generation of people to like occupy this space in the same way that like the dudes who like came over on the Mayflower were like the same people to occupy the topological area that like is America. And so I think expanding out from that, like we have a very special mission and that being the pioneers that are first to establish you know, what this territory is, we also have to protect it. And that kind of brings me back to, you know, if you go to my blog, CryptoSovereignty.org, I have that opening political quote from Satoshi where he's responding to somebody on a forum saying, yes, we will not find solutions to political problems in cryptography, but we can, uh, I'm going to fuck this up. So I'm actually just going to go ahead and like read it directly. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, religion, like the technology of religion, religion is what a compilation of memes. What's the Bible? It's stories that the stories themselves aren't, a lot of them aren't necessarily 
relevant to anybody's lives, but you still identify with the hero and the bad guy and who that, you know, what the bad guy does, you know, Cain kills Abel. Well, Cain's the bad guy. Abel's the, you know, you shouldn't murder, shouldn't murder your own brother. That's a value that you can hear about when you're four years old, 40 years old and identify with. And it, you know, makes sense. But so, so he says, yes, but we can find, but we can win a major battle in the arms race and gain a new territory of freedom for several years. Governments are good at cutting off the heads of centrally controlled networks like Napster, but pure P2P networks like Gunella and Tor seem to be holding their own. And to me, like the, this is an indication of the, the very real and powerful politics that go into cryptography itself. You know, and th this relates all the way back to being a relationship with war itself. You know, cryptography was explicitly developed right. to be able to have secure communications under war. And like, that's very important when we live in a society where what I believe is that we live in a constant and total infinite war. There's a war being conducted against us at all points in time mm -hmm. because that's the method that the state utilizes to establish peace is by having this infinite war. If you do things that are outside of the purview of what has been afforded to you, they can destroy you, throw you in jail, steal your money, do whatever you want. So to me, this is one of the reasons why connecting back to cryptography is so important is that it's it's no longer about the functions of, well, could we do this? It's that you, you can't break it. And that's really important. And then if we even look at that in the entire uh, historicism of man, the fact that like we're at this apex of this technology of war, that seems to actually be at a total end game of how it protects us. Like it seems to be a uh, almost a, a forbidding or a... Uh, yeah, I don't have uh, the right word for it, but it seems to almost be like a spell that's like, no. Right. So when I was in the Air Force, I flew on a, on a spy plane. The most important equipment at all times was the crypto. The stuff that we, you know, we put it in, we used it to sign all the, uh, the Starlink, all the, not Starlink, but stuff similar, all the communications between everybody on the ground, everybody in the air, it was all protected with, uh, by some, you know, with cryptography. It was the most important of all of our mission. It was the most important thing on the base. Like they protected it like it was the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And, and you know what that first communication is called? Where where the, the crypto protocol is being established between the two communicating entities? No, what's that? That's, that's the handshake. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. You know, and like what I find it really interesting, these sort of etymological collisions that happen around this stuff, because what's a handshake other than the beginning of an actual agreement, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so to me, like this all comes down to like it, essentially what we're doing is we're using cryptography to rebuild the social contract, utilizing the internet directly. And what we're using to back our money is energy. And like, that's something that all humans everywhere are always going to need. And furthermore, like, if we're not like a shitty and fucked up civilization, like the energy usage is always going to be going up and to the right, right? Like we're always going to have more energy. Like if, if we're a desirable civilization that's continuing to grow and, you know, harnessing more and more energy. So something that I've thought about is uh, we, encryption is like used to set us free, but like it doesn't, ha it can be used for bad, you know, for bad. So think about, we use HTTPS protocol and that secures our information from being hijacked, right? Like when we're mm -hmm. communicating online from, you know, our, our private information being stolen and, and used against us. But we've 
at the same time, all that data is essentially being not, maybe not our credit card data by Google, but everything else like is being stored by these central companies. Like the big brother from Orwell's 1984, like where they're looking at you through the TV, that's not, well, maybe they are looking at you through your TV now, but most of it, all our information is going to these five or six data uh, hoarding companies. So we, you know, some part of our communication, we like, oh, this is secure. I can put anything I want in here, but really it's kind of a trick to it. How, you know, how do yeah, you avoid I mean, that? How do you avoid that? How do you make sure that you're not given? Or yeah. I'd say, first of all, right now, the internet's horrifically, horrifically broken. And like, we're, we're in the absolute belly of the beast at this point in time, you know, like it, like if we don't get this shit under control and if we don't rebuild the internet in a thoughtful and meaningful way with, robust full encryption people controlling their own data um yeah like very quickly like we're going into like a pretty nightmarish hell uh and i feel quite lucky that there haven't been many more sophisticated techniques carried out against us because of the amount of that data gathering that's going on <clears throat> and again like this is in my opinion this is why we need bitcoin why we need lightning is that in my opinion like a century from now like the the idea of using Bitcoin as money is going to be kind of laughable just because it's going to be more of like an infrastructure piece of the entirety of the internet. And that like these, you know, UTXOs themselves are going to hold these anchors to, you know, either large warehouses of data or significant amounts of wealth, but essentially like it's going to be the method that we utilize in order to rebuild the internet with its backbone, actually having full encryption with a, a lot of the stuff that Jack's talked about with Web5, with like decentralized identifiers and that sort of mm -hmm. stuff, I foresee it playing out that way. Um, but yeah, right now, like we, the internet's this sort of nightmarish panoptic monitoring apparatus that hasn't been fully turned on yet. And like, that's the only thing that gives me the saving grace is that like nobody's built, well, at least not to our knowledge, but nobody's built sort of a sophisticated UX that takes this vacuum of data and says, well, you know, 1984 style, instead of just watching Eric through his TV, like let's review all of the information about Eric and find like, what are certain quirks about his behavior? Like, oh, it turns out when he lies, like his left eye always shivers slightly or something. Right. So, so something I wanted to, I wanted to dig a little deeper in something you talked is like Bitcoin has like these messianic properties. Um, so one of the least, and you've talked about this too, but one of the least appreciated aspects of Bitcoin is the way that it inspires people to reflect upon the, the, what is truth, reflect upon what is important in life, reflect upon basically every aspect of, of what it is to be human and what it is to live in a, in a society. And what have you thought about, like, what is it about? Bitcoin that has such a strong impact on the way people start to think once they start to understand it? Uh, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's mostly that uh, I very much believe we live in a nihilistic world, not, not because, you know, there is no God and he's dead, but because that's the world that we've made. And so most people when you talk about these ideas like radical truth or God or these other things, it's all just sort of ridiculous. You know, like most people are like, what do you mean? Like there's some guy in the sky that can save me. And that, you know, if I give my soul to him, that like this all sounds like bullshit. 
but then when you encounter something like Bitcoin, all it's doing is literally it it's it's just a ledger of all of the transactions that happened. It's just total truth keeping and accounting. That's it. And so when you start pouring over it again and again and thinking about it, you're like, oh, like all it's doing is telling the truth. Why is that so radical? You sort of turn around and look, you're like, oh, because like I live in total fucking darkness and this is an absolute nightmarish hellhole where a president openly rapes children and has a son that does crack. And people act like, you know, the, that couldn't actually be happening because I don't like how that makes me feel inside. You know, like in my opinion, like this world is really fucked up and twisted. So when we find something that is just telling us the truth, it's very radical. And the exact same reason why Bitcoin went from being worth nothing to, you know, worth $20,000 a coin today in the short span of 10 years, because nothing in the world tells the truth like this anymore. Nothing wants to be accountable in the same way that Bitcoin wants to be accountable, you know, and that's, that's an extremely radical idea. It, 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 it pierces kind of everything, right? Like China's banned Bitcoin X amount of times, but no matter how many times China bans Bitcoin, it pierces that red firewall by the CCP. And it is one of maybe the only thing that's going in and out of China that can the Chinese people who have access to it can trust that the information coming in from outside of China is not been corrupted or you know uh, messed with any way by the Chinese, and it, they can get that back out as well. And not only that, the energy in China because of Bitcoin can be the value, some value of it can be extracted from China to the value of everybody else who uses the network. And that's, I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything else that has that much power to send value, information and truth and, and be trustless yeah. for people behind, you know, you know, behind. Wow. So every so time you're having walls a Bitcoin of transaction, tyranny. every time you're having a Bitcoin transaction, you're sending power and truth. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's pretty dope. You know, and like, and again, like now there's all these weird etymological collisions too, like. Like, are we talking about electric power? Are we talking about personal power? Are we talking about spiritual power? You know, like, it, it's very strange to me. And from a lot of the work that I've done, I think the reason why we're seeing these, quote, collisions are because they're not collisions at all. Like, well, if you start reading ancient Latin and Greek, you'll start to see that there are particular words like energia, that it's talking much more about the potentiality towards something, you know, um, and I think that this is, and this is why a lot of my work is now starting to collide with Heidegger's is because I think the sort of truth that Heidegger was trying to convey collides directly with all of this. And I find it very fascinating, particularly in, uh, you know, I've been working my way through one of his books called The the Event, which in a lot of ways he sort of represents it as, a, you know, his sort of key work. And in that he talks about stuff like, um, like so uh, there's supposed to be an event in hum human history in the totality of history that's like the key thing that happens to all people which is essentially the the return of being to being and he spells being b-e-i-n-g and the other form is b-e-y-n-g and the one spelled with a y is an ancient one which is more of the being of like who are you at your greatest capacity like the best you the best possible being that you could experience as you and what would happen if you could encounter that form of being 
Well, he thinks that the event essentially is when you encounter that form of being and the way that it transforms you, which I think that's literally what Bitcoin is, is that you encounter mm -hmm. this thing of truth. You start reflecting about what does truth mean? What does it mean if I live to my highest truth, ask myself of my greatest potential? And then you start to self-reflect on that and go, oh, whoa, like what? What if I could use this tool to help me? What if I could use this tool to help other people? What if I, what if this tool can actually help make me more powerful? What if I can step deeper into my own truth through it? You know, and so I think now there's this sort of cyclical process that's happening that as you reflect on it, it reflects on you, and you start sort of bouncing things back and forth between them. It's uh, it's fucking weird, you know, and like this, this has happened to, as far as I can tell dozens if not hundreds of people um and like i for a very long time i thought i was the only person fucking crazy enough to have shit like this happen to me uh you know right. like i thought i was just smoking way too much weed and like just thinking too I'm, hard about this kind of stuff no i've the past six months of my life i'm like are am i really transforming this much or did i just i did mushrooms like five times in this quarter you know like maybe i'm just doing too many psychedelics but now it's it's it perseveres past the, you know, the comment, on, on, right? on that note too. I, I want to talk about uh, the, the shedding our parents culture of this idea that like all drugs are bad and realize like how much they were all fucking brainwashed is right. really important because like pretty much all prior civilizations had traditions of using things like psychedelics to come into contact with the mystery and coming into contact with that is extremely important because of the way that it can allow for revelation to happen. And like revelation was like a big motherfucking deal to historic societies. Like this was how essentially like shit was discovered. It wasn't that you'd go apply the scientific process. It's that you would have a mystical revelation that would have you, you know, fucking put the pieces to the puzzle together and psychedelics happen to facilitate that very, very powerfully. Um, and I've even spoke to the point about like the, the fact that Bitcoin's like, killer app was to essentially make a drug market so that like more people could access psychedelics safely right, mm -hmm, right. and then the way that these things self-reflected on each other is like is really fucking wild you know because like and then you look at stuff like uh are you guys aware of the pineapple fund there's like uh there's just some super there's there's just some super fucking OG bitcoiner who had you know hundreds of millions of dollars of bitcoin who's like I'm going to put all this in a fund and donate it for there to, you know, I'm going to donate all the maps and like different psychedelic research faculties. Nice. And like whoever that person was, they like, they literally pushed forward psychedelic research on the whole in a way that had never been done before. Mm -hmm. So like now there's this weird tangential relationship that psychedelics are becoming more mainstream accepted. More people are doing them directly right. because of Bitcoin. And like, I, I have to appreciate that. Like, I think that that's something very real and important. I think the timing. Um, goes, no, I think the timing couldn't be better because what better thing? You, so we just got we're we're still not really through it, but several years of a virus that made people probably more atomized than ever before. Like something you can't. Everybody could have it. You could be getting killing my grandma. You might not be taking it seriously. Like it's just breed, it's invisible. It just breeds, it just breeds this distrust between everybody. And it's just gotten worse and worse. And it's, it's shown up in our politics. It's been, it's been a problem before COVID, but I think COVID was just like that catalyst that just really spun it off and made everything like blast off top. 
but what better way to bring us all back than psychedelic experiences like everybody's starting to have those um starting to realize that you're or realize again that we're all interconnected that we're all like part of this whatever this thing is this organism we're all connected it's just perfect timing in my opinion it, if it keeps spreading yeah you know and uh that's one of the things that has me say bitcoin's cyanic is because it's timing is perfect and, and not just in this way of helping facilitate psychedelics but like the fact that the bitcoin protocol was released when it was that it gained the traction it did that it was deployed in the way that it was that it wasn't 50 percent attacked uh that you know if, it, if if there was an attempt to do it today i feel like it would be so difficult because things are so much more hyper focused now and the ability to try to escape that monitoring was unavailable and then i mean you know the literal technology for bitcoin i don't think existed until about 2004. so there was a very small window here where something like this could be created and satoshi happened to be artful enough to pull all of these things together and to performatively present it in such a way so gracefully that you know it actually got deployed and, and it gained traction and it's uh I wonder yeah, every time be, i yeah i wonder if it'll be looked at in a, a thousand years from now ten thousand years from now is like almost like the earth is like this, this goldilocks zone of like this perfect timing where everything kind of came together and it wouldn't have worked if it didn't happen when it did that's how I feel about it. And to me, like, that's why I think that this is Heidegger's event, because when I look at that specific thing about like, you know, okay, let's just look at, uh, you know, SHA-256 uh, and what that has available to it. Well, that, you know, trying to brute force that is pretty much impossible. Just be, be between the computational energy and the electrical energy, you know, all of these things going together, it's pretty much just impossible. And so having that available, but not having the surveillance apparatus dialed up so intensely that it could locate everybody at the same time, you know, essentially allowing right. Satoshi this gap. Um, yeah, like I, I think people are going to look at it in the concourse of history and realize that like this is an entire chain of historicism. And that's one of the reasons why, like in a lot of my work. I believe that essentially where everything derailed was actually uh, like after World War II. Like, I think what happened during World War II is such a horrific event that it absolutely shipwrecked the capacity for statism to function. But this was like the only thing that we had. So we just kind of had to continue on this crazy ass journey. And meanwhile, because like we're now in this crazy hyper paranoid state that has this military industrial complex, you know, it's like, well, you know, let's pour billions of dollars into developing highly sophisticated cryptography that can never be broken. Uh, and so like, it, you know, it's, it's one of these really interesting things that like the state in its infinite power it's given to itself like it got paranoid enough that like it developed this stuff like for us that essentially right. appropriate from them um and i just think it's really funny it reminds me of kafka's story of the mole uh where like the mole he, he like digs all these different burrows and hidden places and like all these ways to escape in his paranoia of like somebody trying to get into his home but he like gets lost in doing that like traps himself and i feel like that's exactly what the state did with its development of cryptography for us Right. Uh, so kind of along those lines, something I, you learn, there's been like a theme on Twitter the past two weeks. So like, every, you know, when 
Nick Carter pissed everybody off and they say, don't slay your heroes. And everybody always lets you down, yada, yada, yada. So it's with that in mind, it's what Satoshi created. It seems like the insights that he had, like the, the things that would have to be thought about 30 years down the road, hundred years down the road, like there's always a scenario. And the guy that tried to hack, he was like one of the, you know, world's best white hat hackers. And he, he went to hack Bitcoin and he said, every line, everything he went to do to try to attack something that was like a cryptocurrency, he'd get to a line of code that was like a comment there from Satoshi just to stop him from his attack. Was that Schneider who did that? Yeah, yeah, it was Schneider. So what do you, do you think that there's just certain principles, uh, certain fundamentals that if you can stick to those, it, you can extrapolate, you can scale infinitely and you'll still have like a good foundation or, or is it yeah. somebody that just has these great insights that just had, could anticipate every attack, every angle, every little thing that would harm Bitcoin? Or do you think it just it comes down to something much more simple than that? Uh, I kind of think it's both. Like I, I honestly to God think that like, God literally like sent an angel to like give a revelation to Mm -hmm. Satoshi and like Mm -hmm. told him how to design it and he did it perfectly and it's not that he did it perfectly because like the angel gave him the perfect plans no it's because he just used fucking math and like he used math appropriately and like like that's that's all that's going on is like this is like when I talk about God I'm not there's not some like willy-nilly spaghetti man in the sky no it's fucking nature that's all it's just Spinoza's laws of physics yeah that's fucking it it's the but the, it's the laws of physics, not with this retarded authoritarian science, but right. with the actual right. scientific process yeah. where we go, well, hey, this thing could be fucking wrong. So like, let, let's like really look hard at it, as opposed to being like, no, he's he's saying hate speech because he's saying I'm wrong. Like, stop him, censor him, quit me. You know, like it, ugh, this place. It, I want to rip my eyes out sometimes, and how much it drives me crazy. You know, and like. Like the fact that, you know, we have members of the fucking Fed being like, what, like, who would have thought after printing out $6 trillion that we'd have bad inflation? Like, oh, this is, oh, who could have expected this? And it's just like, you know, like we're, we're hot. Like, what are you guys smoking? Like fucking paint thinner or something? Because <laughs> right. like we're, like, we're not having these fucking retarded ideas. You just said it right there. He's like, he did it by using math the way it's the right, the way it's supposed to be used. Right. So when people say Bitcoin fixes this all the time and they're, you know, Bitcoin fixes this, Bitcoin fixes this. And then something happens where the price drops when inflation is going up. I'm like, well, Bitcoin didn't fix inflation. The media goes crazy, but it's like Bitcoin fixes this. If you use Bitcoin the way that it was just in the white paper or, you know, in, in the code, just use Bitcoin. Just, self-custody uh use a node and it can't nobody's going to confiscate it from you uh you're not going to be able they're not going to be able to stop your transactions but people when they try to complicate it they build these complicated apparatuses these towers of babel whatever you want to call it and it you know a hedge fund blows up they lose all their money they lose all their bitcoin they keep it on coinbase or they you know they keep it on one of these other exchanges they block withdrawals or the government seizes it it's like just use it how it's meant to be used and you'll be fine don't try to get fancy with it 
don't have an ego. Yeah, I, I mean, look, like this, this is a story pretty much as old as fucking humanity. <laughs> like, it, it's super funny to me that, like, we, like, it's 2022 and, like, a bunch of fucking bozos, like, gave their fucking Bitcoin to Celsius and they, like, don't have Bitcoin anymore. It's like, oh, God, like, who could have ever anticipated that? Like, oh, you mean every single fucking bank run in all of human history? That's what happened? <laughs> oh, so, like, this has happened fucking hundreds of times before it, you know like this is the kind of shit where it's like you know you know what like me maybe we do deserve to blow ourselves up with nuclear weapons because maybe we are just that fucking stupid because right. if people are going to give their bitcoin to celsius for for what eight percent like you really needed fucking eight percent on your unconfiscatable money that i, I don't know it, it's it, it's just it's tragic and it's frustrating, but you know, I, I guarantee fucking tea in the 22nd century, the same goddamn shit's going to be happening. People are going to be like, did, did you know that at fucking square food that who was offering 2% interest rates that everybody lost their fucking money because the guy was buying Coke and hookers with it. Nobody expected that. So uh, a lot of people have, I think, they're at this point where you go back to more of the religious messianic stuff where you you're like, wow, this is the most important thing that exists. This is the most, like nothing else is worth my time right now. So inevitably you want to share that the good news with everybody, your friends, your family, everybody, your community, where, where are you at on like the, the orange, orange pill evangelist scale. Did you go through that phase where you just wouldn't shut the fuck up and every scared everybody off, or did you moderate that at all? Like, where are you at with that? Uh, I mean, anybody who knows me knows who I am and what I do and my experience in the world. Uh, I, I'm not evangelical about it. Just it, in terms of being like, you, you need to buy Bitcoin, get on with it, because like I'm so sick of people. Uh, like I'm, I'm just like not interested in like selling people on Bitcoin. I'm interested in helping people like get Bitcoin when they want to do that. But like, look, like if, if you like look out into the world and then you like look at Bitcoin, you're like, this thing's useless. Like I can't fucking help you. Like you're, you're <laughs> obviously retarded. So, you know, like have fun staying poor because that's, what's going to happen. Um, you know, and like, I'm, I'm not trying to be an asshole, even though I absolutely sound like an asshole. It's just, I, like, I, look, this is going to happen. And if everybody could just, like, get on the fucking lifeboat right now, like, we could we could get sailing and we could fix shit a lot faster. But, like, we're going to have, like, 120 years of just fucking bozo nonsense until we finally get to a Bitcoin standard. And people are finally, like, it turns out, like, if you give people the power to control money... They're going to like get corrupted with it and like use it against you. And like, even though we fucking know this from the last 3000 years of human history, it's going to take another hundred years of this bullshit for people to really figure it out. Um, so I get, you know, and it's interesting as I'm talking, I'm really like, I'm, I'm kind of angry about it. Cause like, I just want people to fucking get it and get that it's important and, mm -hmm. and realize like, look, like just appreciate for a moment that like, you're probably a fucking moron. Like, because most of us are morons. And I'm not saying that to, like, be an asshole. Like, I, I lost an object for a fucking hour today. And I was looking for it for an entire goddamn hour. And then my wife helped me for two minutes and she found it. I felt like a fucking idiot. And I'm pretty sure most people do stuff like that 
pretty frequently throughout life. Again, not to put anybody down, but instead of like congratulating ourselves about how fucking smart we are, because we went to an Ivy League school, we got 800 on our stats and all this, like why don't we appreciate how fucking stupid we are? Because we pay 40% of our income to a government that fucking hates us. We must be morons if that is what's going on. So if we're that fucking stupid, let's just stop for a minute and appreciate that we're that dumb. And maybe the 8% interest that celsius or Blockfire, whoever is promising us maybe the yield is coming from somewhere else and maybe that yield is our stupidity so <laughs> um yeah so i i don't get in conflicts with people about it it's just like i i don't know like if people yeah i just really don't like the like, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, when it comes to Bitcoin, like, I'm a hot chick and you need to, like, try to appeal to me. Like, I'm not out here. <laughs> Sell me this pen. Uh, Eric, what, what aspect of Bitcoin do you find yourself thinking about the most? I'm back. Sorry, yeah, there you go. I, I, I drop out every every so often. No worries. Uh, what, which uh, aspect of Bitcoin do you, do you find yourself thinking about the most? Uh, this like human part, like why, like why the fuck is it doing it to uh, like, like you don't see like a bunch of like stockbroker bros like getting together and like having these conversations. Like you don't the mind virus aspect. Yeah, you know, like it it's really weird because like, and, and it's not just the mind virus, but it's like the spiritual part. Like a bunch of people who are like pretty normal, not spiritual people are like having all this stuff go on inside of them that is like changing who they are like pretty radically. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I noticed like, that really comfortable too. I, I noticed that at, at the Bitcoin conference in Miami when I was in the art section and I was looking at some of that art and I'm like, man, there's something, there's something to this because that's like, that's got a that's like a, la a couple layers of your brain that they had to seep into to get to where you were created something that crazy that like unique that art that like it, something inspired you and it's that you don't get inspired like you said by stocks like you don't get inspired by it's random stuff that people dedicate their lives to otherwise to make something that great well and in all honesty like i think that part of this process is realizing like the historicism of this event and importance of us getting to participate to it in it and like that rescue from nihil like i'm pretty sure most of us were going to have like pretty boring atypical lives not to, like putting any of us down but like there wasn't going to be the, like this extraordinary human task that's like given by god to us to like mm -hmm. do whatever else it was you know and so like i very much believe that like each of us has our own explicit purpose for why we saw and understood this thing, why God has chosen us to do that. And again, when I say God, like I'm just talking about the nature of the universe itself. Like there's some reason that you and I were attracted to this thing and why we came here. And that has really deep importance that I don't know or understand, but I know following it feels good. I know that it rewards me spiritually and otherwise. And it seems to be happening to a lot of other people. And the best I can make of it is, is because, again, everything is so fucked up and we live in such a nihilistic hellhole that the idea of recovering that and giving our children something meaningful 
is not only redemptive to us, but it's redemptive to the entirety of humanity. Because right now, like as things are going in fiat land, like my kids are absolutely going to get hammer fucked out of existence and live humiliating enslaved lives that I will not fucking stand for. And so that's one of the things I'm so excited about is I want to get off a fiat standard for my children and for their children and for all children after that. Like I want 200 years from now, our ancestors to sit around and go, can you like this debt stuff is so fucked up. And they go like, yeah, they just like made money up. They, ju- they were just like, hey, like I deserve an extra million dollars today. <laughs> and like, that's how they did it. And people will be like, no, like, why did they let people do that? And they're like, they just, they didn't know any better. They're like, how could you not know any better? Bitcoin gives, Bitcoin gives everybody a chance to have their own hero's journey, a reason to go on that hero's journey and to, to make the world a better place. Absolutely. You know, and uh, like, I love, you know, John's fucking book that he wrote on, you know, the money Messiah, uh, was really great about essentially, you know, it, everybody has to go through their own hero's journey where they discover what these values are for themselves, you know? And I, and essentially like, I think that Bitcoin is just affecting and touching all of us in the same way. Cause like we all had the same darkness and loneliness and nihilism and defeatedness and purposelessness that Bitcoin speaks to and turns from. And as it resonates with each of us, we find a new, grounding from which we can approach the entirety of the world and and furthermore uh like i finally feel like i i i can change things now like i i the political system is something that it always outraged me at how i was told to you know get more vote like always like jump through the different kinds of hoops and shit and now that i have a solution that isn't about that that i can like use for individual empowerment like i am so thrilled to give that to people and like not like number go up is fucking cool but you know what's even cooler is like people who couldn't get fucking bank accounts being able to save money you know people that get raped at the border who are left with nothing that like they can at least get through after that sort of violation you know, somebody, their fucking house gets blown up and they have to run and they have to run as fast as they can. They used to have to leave, abandon everything and start over from nothing. Now they at least have something like that is a step function advancement for the lowest class of people in the world, for the others, you know, and part of my philosophical journey is through, uh, you know, the most esteemed philosopher, in my opinion, is this individual, Giorgio Ambigen. And he has a whole series of books that he wrote called Homo Sakia. And homo secure, it's a, a Latin word for the forsaken man. And essentially he traces the genealogy of these individuals throughout human history who can always be legally killed, but they can't be sacrificed. So like people like outlaws, like on the spot, you're supposed to just fucking kill them. And it's not murder. Anybody can do it. <laughs> uh, and essentially like this is what the story of all of humanity is, is that one class of people reserves a right for themselves to kill other people and not call it killing, but call it something else. Mm-hmm. And it's usually done in order to extract physical objects of value from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it happen to fucking 4 million Jews in World War II mm-hmm. to get all the gold out of their head. And you know, it's like, this is one of the things that absolutely fucks with my mind. So the, the Nazis took all those gold out of, you know, fucking Jew teeth and stuff, melted it down, sent it off to Switzerland, 
they stashed all this into an international bank that they had. War ended. There was this entity that, you know, essentially got all the money for the most evil shit that had ever happened. You know what, you know what entity this bank is? This, this is the Bank of International Settlement. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, I, I shit you not, the largest financial institution in the world literally got its seed money from Nazi fucking gold. Jews killed in the Holocaust. Like, how <laughs> fucking bananas is that? So, like, when Brenton Woods' negotiations started, the Norwegians wouldn't even come until they were promised that that bank would be disbanded, which FDR did stand behind on disbanding. He fucking died. And then, you know, when we had uh, the Truman? Yeah, Truman was after. Yeah, FDR. so, yeah, Don't Trump, I, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so... When Truman came into power, he was pretty much like, you know, it's like a good bank. It's got a lot of money. Like, why don't we use it to facilitate this new financial system? You know, and to me, like, that speaks to the signatures of how horrific what has happened here really is, you know. Um, and I think that connecting to the fact of, like, look, like, fiat sucks for all kinds of very real and personal reasons. But I think even more important, like, it's a fucking evil system that takes advantage of people and it rewards people who don't fucking deserve it. And I want to fight against that. Like, I think that if you're going to get Amen. wealth, you need to do some work for it. That's just how it fucking is. No, you know? I don't rich. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I, I am very excited to see how going to a Bitcoin standard is going to really augment the economy in a meaningful way, moving away from a financialization and a service sector back towards more real work and i'm and i feel really excited that like we're going to see a second industrial revolution that's going to make all kinds of super awesome shit that's really going to push humanity in a positive direction yeah i think there's i think bitcoin could catalyze like the innovation and computer chips and computing for like the like you said, that industrial revolution, because there's no way we're paying off. I mean, we probably still want, but there's no way we're paying off all this debt that we've got globally. But, you know, if we can max, if we can increase our productivity 10x, maybe we can uh, be productive enough to, to keep going and to keep growing. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the grand problems that we've seen with fiat. You can see them on the chart since, you know, 71 is where it's split. And, and like, this is one of the problems, uh, of that broken relationship with truth. It's like right now, you can be a very, very productive person and get zero fucking return on that. And right. I'm like, that's just how the world works. You know, like I remember uh, I was in Burma in 2008 and I remember I was like talking to these guys working and like they were literally smashing boulders with sledgehammers uh, and like doing this for like 14 hours a day. And I was right. like, holy shit. I was like, I, like, I can't even imagine, like, how much are you guys paid? They were like, oh, like, you know, like 800 shop. Or, and like, that was literally 90 cents. That was, and, and I remember I'd like pulled my money out and I gave each one of them like 2000 shot. And they were like, holy shit. They were like, thank you so much. And I was like, no, man, no, but you don't understand. You like, I didn't do anything for that money. Like you are doing real hard work, you know? And totally. so I think, Again, this is why we need proof of work and not proof of stake is that it's important for work to tangibly be an aspect of what's occurring here, both in name and in actual productivity itself. You know, and the idea is, is that like 
if you're getting energy at a lower cost, it means that there's a form of productivity that you have that somebody else doesn't so that you can put that energy into the network. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that there's got there's with manipulated money and manipulated interest rates, there's this disconnect between energy availability and the expansion of humanity. And there's, there's got to get back into some kind of rhythm when, when energy is scarce, people are saving. You know, well, it's kind of what's being forced on us now, but it's got to be, it's got to happen sooner. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, <laughs> it's just wild to be here. You know, like the, I thought the, the place that we're at with Bitcoin right now, I sincerely thought was probably going to be more like 30 years out. I guess like shitcoinery really advanced the agenda in a way that I didn't predict. And, and you know, this is one of the reasons that like, I hate shitcoiners all you want, but like, you know, shitcoining is like the original sin of Bitcoin. And furthermore, like through the original sin of that, I think it always sort of leads people to return to here. Right. So, um, you know, and the other thing that I think is real funny is that, uh, you like never see shit coiners really, uh, like there's only so far you can go, like, you don't see ETH heads out there being like, Ethereum's the Messiah. Like they, they're like, Ooh, no, no, that's like too, too fucking much. Uh, I'll be super interested <laughs> if somebody does pop up with that. Cause like, then we can have like a really interesting conversation, but maybe XRP. I think it's really interesting. Oh, well, I mean, obviously XRP, you know, you, you realize that it was, you know, it's not like somebody made all that shit up. God, fucking. it's always amazing to me that, that like there are, there's just some, some real left bell curve kind of folk that, you know, have their chosen coin that they like the BSV people. Like, could you imagine making that Satoshi vision is like the real Bitcoin? <laughs> those are those are some real special guys. They are. They're the ones that aren't the ones that aren't on uh, Calvin's uh, playlist. Anyway. Yeah, it's like these like made up uh, religions in a way, almost. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, like, it's funny because like he's a Scientologist. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like perfect they like they like get to like level eight they're like wait like Satoshi is supposed to return from pluto in, in 2140 and he's gonna laser eye everybody like that's what the laser eye meme is really about like wow you're like yeah but you like can't tell anybody or like you could ruin it <laughs> yeah it's uh it's pretty funny and i mean like to me, like, this is the other thing that's sort of hilarious about and, like, why there's this plethora of shit coins and shit coin going on is that, like, they, so few people really recognize what's actually going on. Um, and, I, and I think, like, this is one of the things that really inflames me towards, uh, you know, non-Bitcoiners is that they, they think I'm somehow being pejorative or um, flippant towards you know, religious ideas when I say something like it's messianic. But what I'm trying to do is have people actually consider the fullness of what that could mean. Uh, it usually backfires, but, you know, it, it's been nice that like Bitcoiners actually seem to take it seriously. Whereas no, Bitcoiners, yeah. it seems to, they're like, oh, they're like, he's using religious terms. <laughs> no, that's, that's probably, that's probably what I identify with most. Like, that's what I probably think about the most is, is that aspect of it. So I, that's, well, that's why I was glad or happy, the religious excited aspect? to 
yeah yeah the must yeah the messianic aspect of it that's what i that consumes my mind i'd say it's like i was trying to like think about like the plebs on twitter like they're the you know the pharisees you know comparing it like stuff like that like the the fact that this pleb thing came up because like pleb pleb is short for plebarian Mm -hmm. and like plebarian is like the plebarians are the people of rome that like Mm -hmm. made the legal system fundamentally function Mm -hmm. it wasn't the patricians and like the other thing that's really interesting is that like the plebs literally were just like the people like as the mob Mm -hmm. and so like the plebs consisted of anonymous and unknown people Mm -hmm. as well whereas like all patricians were always known individuals because of the actual titles that they had you know uh it's it's pretty wild you know and like uh the the latin term for uh like the commonwealth is res publica which like in latin that translates to the public thing Mm. Well, like we got this very public blockchain. It's like a public thing, right? Mm. You know, it's, uh, yeah, this is the sort of stuff I mm. think is really fascinating. And, uh, and at the end of the day, like the fact that we're only 13 years in, that most of us discovered Bitcoin less than a decade ago, that, you know, this hasn't been a majority of most of our lives yet, right? Is really important as this aspect builds because, like, I, I very sincerely do believe this becomes a full-blown religious movement, not because right. of the actual religious affects and bonds that we have, but for the way that we're going to get attacked for it. You know, like, I, sure. I literally think there are going to be people that are going to kill me because they want my Bitcoin, and they won't get my Bitcoin. And then my internet ghost is going to haunt them and kill them. <laughs> um, you know, and like, and, like, this is how all of this stuff sort of gets spurred, is that, like, we're going to have a bunch of matriarchs who, like, prove... That like Bitcoin works as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to you know say that that needs to happen. I hope that this can all be done as peacefully as possible. But like, I can feel the momentum building towards the very real political nature of this fully unveiling itself, and I'm really excited because I think like that's actually going to be the thing that rescues America and allows for us to create a totally new revolutionary front that allows for us to change our constitution to be better and more fitting for our times whether that happens in three years or 30 i don't know but uh, i i can feel it well i hope none of us have to be fed to lions in the coliseum but this, this no, I'm, I'm going to the gulag yeah. i'm going to the gulag with john and robert and Hoddle. this makes me think uh, that like like the question is, what is the the church of Bitcoin? Where do you go to church? Is it is it going to be the meetups? Is that the church of Bitcoin? Or the forums, the meetups, conferences? It kind of depends. Well, I mean, like, is, is it, will it, it will it become a physical place? Is what I'm saying. Do you think it'll become to the equivalent of a of a church, a modern church today? That's what I was thinking about. I think there will be like Bitcoin temples eventually. You know, I'm like. Uh, like I totally thought about building and doing this. It was essentially like having a Bitcoin temple where like people come and we have like secure devices that they can like generate private keys with. And they're, or like, there's like a ritual where we all get fucking high and just like roll dice all day. And like, <laughs> like there's like five people, and like one guy writes down the numbers of each roll. And so like you like roll keys with like dice and shit. And there's like all kinds of different rituals, you know? Um, like I've, I've been working on developing uh, essentially like a ritual that's designed to create 
you know, five separate keys that are then distributed to five different people. And these are like your chosen individuals Mm -hmm. for like, when you die, they like help pass your wealth on. Mm -hmm. And what I really like about three of five too, is that like the inherent trust that you extend that like two of these people, you know, that, that within this group of five, that, cause I imagine you're using this to like pass on to say, you're, you know, I'd leave it to my son. So there's like three others outside of my family. Well, you're giving the trust that like those three could collaborate against you mm-hmm. if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But like if they're your chosen people, they wouldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think um, I think all of this is going to become profoundly important in the future if we're going to manage our money correctly and intelligently. And if we're to move away from the forms of life that we had. And like I I'm of the opinion, like, I think life today fucking sucks. And, like, people are like, but you go, like, your TV and the internet and be like, look, like, we have some pretty cool technology, but, like, it's not fucking worth all the other crazy shit that's going on, in my opinion. There's like, more not... depression now than ever before. Yeah. That's, you know, that's well, no coincidence. Like, you know, some of yeah, it's to sell drugs. at an all-time yeah. high. Like, you know, it, yeah, drug use is at an all-time high. And, like, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. But, like, no, I mean, like, yeah. Heroin I mean, like, and, some of the depression is like to sell pharmaceuticals to cure your depression, but really people's lives are definitely, there's just, it seems more prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying. So, so for me, like, I, I don't think, I think that this is all because of how the world is today. And I think it's because we're so strongly lacking in any form of truth and that we're so far away from authenticity and from having sincere and authentic experiences because well, that's kind of what fiat land is all about is getting you as far away from those things as possible, which is also why psychedelics seem so extraordinary and intense because it's an actual authentic experience that you're having. That's beyond right. being appropriated. It scares you. Else. It can scare you if you're not used to it. Yeah. I dropped acid last week and uh, you know, it, it's funny. Cause like I, it, it, it's always a real roll of dice, but this last yeah. trip, just fucking fun man like i just i had a great time i was just like because i really let go of my shit and so i was was dancing i was really in my body i was was having a great fuck i was playing with my dog a whole bunch i I noticed that with acid weed or uh, excuse me uh mushrooms is more i i'll like get in bed and just put my covers over my head and listen to music but like when it's acid it's like i'll run around i'll go for i'll be outside it's a lot more fun i get i get yeah, I get wacky on acid. I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, I get really into my body and like doing shit and nice. stuff. It's, uh, but yeah, it was great. I, I, I really needed that. I, I felt like I, yeah, for me, it's always like a great check-in experience because like I, it had been, it had been a long time since I had dropped acid. Um, yeah, probably like six months or more. So it just felt really good to return to that and remember and be like, oh yeah, like this is. Mushrooms, you know, mushrooms or acid can also be a good like temperature check. Like sometimes you don't know if you're really happy or experiencing happiness, or if you're just kind of telling yourself you are, and then you take some mushrooms or some acid and you're like, Oh, I found out, I found out there was a problem. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like I was having the opposite experience. I was getting like too involved in all of like my daily bullshit and trying sure. to get stuff done and just feeling, feeling like I was dragging everywhere. And so this was, you know, like I was walking around my property and I was like, man, I like, fucking love where i live like nice. i got you know it was a great setup and happy with my family and everything so yeah it was a great great check-in experience uh because yeah you, like 
it's funny because uh, anytime that I do shrooms, it's usually a much much more intense personal experience. So yeah, yeah. I don't do shrooms as much just because I find that uh, it's always like a pretty serious affair. So I, I had some trepidation that this last trip was going to be like that, but nope, just just nice. good vibes all around. I should hit some. I, I gotta get some acid then. That sounds fun. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, I've never, I've never is, done either. I need to. So I want to try this. Oh man, yeah, but yeah, like like acid. You know, like I experimented a bit with with different things, and you know, I've always been real cautious and kind of paranoid. Mm, but same. Like as soon as I started doing acid, I was like, "Oh, like this is like my fucking drug. Like this makes only, me feel fucking great." Like I, I've only done it at concerts and festivals. I've never just done it chilling at home or like going for a walk. Like, I've always been at like Red Rocks, Bonnaroo, something like that, and it's just like that's no, intense. That like can be I, aggressive. That that's seriously, I I rarely do stuff like that just because. Well, one is this is how I introduced myself to it. It was always like at home, yeah, under, you know, personal condition. Wait, should stuff. be, yeah. But um, actually, I'm going to a concert, like a like a full weekend thing, uh, next week, and I'm really excited because I'll I'll drop there and you know ha- have a great time. So it nice. it can be good for for particular situations, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm usually very much like do it at home, do your own thing for sure. Because I find a lot of just like the the normal stuff getting to do that when I'm tripping to be really fun. Like I'll just like looking at bugs and flowers. And oh shit yeah, half the time just know? going for a walk is is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. revolutionary. Yeah, and thankfully because we have a decentralized censorship resistant money, people can go out to an onion patch and find these you know very powerful substances that can help facilitate very deep transcendental experiences safely and effectively now and you know i think that that's uh that's really important i think it has a really important relationship with bitcoin directly um you know and it's great that we can all sit here and smoke weed and that it's hopefully legal in the states that you guys are in but that you know it's much than it has been before and i think in a lot of ways you know getting high is sort of a a mini trip in a lot of ways oh totally so i think i think it's great that more people are becoming open to these things as opposed to you know us moving in the opposite direction yeah so getting high is like a vacation getaway where a a trip is like a six month or a a month long whatever yeah it could be that way stay it's funny and like anytime i'm done tripping i get to like the end of the night and i'm like i'll like think about something from like two o'clock in the afternoon and i'm like that was like a gajillion years ago that was like a different eon i was a different human i had a different body at that point in time <laughs> yeah, very, very good um Where, yeah th- thank you for coming and talking to us today this is a great conversation it's great to get high and talk to you what tell anybody where they can uh they can find your blog or find you online anything you want to chill you can find my personal website at cryptosovereignty.org. There's a series of crazy ass essays there where I get into pretty deep esoteric philosophical territory. Uh, you know, I make the rounds on podcasts, so you'll you'll see me sort of frequently appearing as guests. You, you'd think I would have something more to shill or sell people at this point in time after doing this shit so much. Nope. <laughs> nope, I don't. So find me on Twitter. Uh, you should probably buy and hold Bitcoin if you don't. Um, I'm not sure why you're listening to this if you don't own or hold any bitcoin um and you should probably try to acquire more because i don't foresee any other blockchain becoming the second coming of jesus so you know that's uh that's kind of what i got for you 
So it was great chatting with you gentlemen as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that uh, I'm not more sleepy at this point in time, being a parent, yeah. waking up early. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter, or you can hit up uh, Dan at Heartland Bitcoin on Twitter and myself, Mike. I am at Rundance BTC. Yeah.